about to start so pop those headphones in and let Sophia style radio to keep you company. Love Thy Body Project, home of female empowerment. you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com Welcome to Love Thy Body Project, the show where no topic is off limits. We're here to encourage, empower and support. Today, you've got the gorgeous Serena Novelli and the lovely Ana Louise Bonacera and their guest. Sit back and enjoy. And today, I want to welcome our very special guest, Gully Bano, who is from Strike Back Self-Defence. Hey, Gully, thanks for being here. Hi, ladies. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, I cannot wait to hear all about this because I think this is such a massive issue and especially for, you know, everything that's kind of gone on in the media this year with, you know, women feeling scared around, you know, walking late at night and stuff and everything that's happened to poor um, Sarah this year and all the other women. So how did you get started on self-defence? So <laughs> it's it's a funny story. It's a long story. It always is. I'm not a martial arts background and it's not what I sort of started out. It's my background is um, as a career, I'm a pharmacist. So it's my sort of profession. 
But over the course of being a pharmacist, and, and I'm, so you can't see me, but physically a little bit about me, I'm, I'm five foot and I'm sort of like seven stones, I'm quite a petite lady. And I, over the course of being a pharmacist, I was attacked a number of times. Um, I'd gotten a number of altercations, um, whether it was customers in the store, I'd had a, a drug addict attack me in uh, the car park on the way home. Uh, when locking up so there'd been a few things over this course of being and and while I was at so even before that while I was at uni um I'd had unfortunately an attack at uni so over the sort of course of years things had happened and every time something happened it was always a case of I'm not going to let that happen again so I'd been sort of looking at things and thinking I need to do something I need to find something so I found literally it, it was a case of being profiled people see you as uh, people I say people I'm going to refer not misogynistically but because statistically it is ma- males that will be attacking so that opportunistic male and they pro I felt they profiled me just easy target small woman petite doesn't look like they can really fight back so I'd started looking for something and then I'd um I had my children and I think that stepped it up because I thought one day, because my boys were very little and we were often out doing sort of sports clubs as you are as mums and sort of dark evenings. I thought if something happened now, now it's not just me and I've got the children with me, what would I actually do? So literally that night I got home and I thought I'm going to find something. And by chance, I came across um, a, a local club to me, a Krav Maga club, never heard of it before. And I don't know, it's those things, you know, it's fake, things are planned. I just went along. I thought I'm going to go along and see um, so literally that was it. That's how the journey started. It was through a need as a woman to find somewhere that I could feel, do something that I could feel safe. I was a bit on the wrong side of 35, sort of mid thirties to start with things like karate and judo, where you start at the beginning and learn the patterns, etc. So I needed something quick and something that worked. And Krav Maga seemed to fit. And I'll explain a little bit more about Krav Maga, but that seemed to fit. Literally, it ticked all the boxes went along had the first session and I was hooked it was literally from that it was it just made complete sense to me wow I literally can't believe how many times you're attacked because you're a pharmacist that is like I never would have thought that like it makes sense like what you say like obviously people see you as someone who's you know got something that they might need when they're in a desperate position but that yeah that's absolutely mental so I've worked all over the country. I've worked places like Liverpool, Manchester, been in an armed robbery in Manchester. Been, yeah, it, <laughs> you, <laughs> it reads wonderfully now when I look back at it. I'm like, really? So there was an, I've worked behind bulletproof glass in Liverpool. And unfortunately, a lot of the places pharmacies are, are just sort of those deprived or more sort of areas. And especially in Liverpool, it's working in Toxteth and a few of the other areas. And we worked behind bulletproof glass and we didn't blink. And we'd had armed robberies there and these things happened and I look at now and it blows my mind a little bit how we just sort of <laughs> yeah so. have you got a book out you need you <laughs> no, know, you no, need no, I'm literally I'm just writing a chapter <laughs> in in the new I would be hooked I'd be like oh my goodness I'd like what's going to happen next <laughs> it's insane isn't it it's, I do look back and I'm like really did that really happen but yeah I did yeah that would make an interesting book I was literally <laughs> thinking the same thing Serena <laughs> Tell us a bit more about it, what it's called, Krav Maga. Krav Maga. So Krav Maga, it's Hebrew for close combat. And it's not a martial arts. It's a complete self-defense system. So it takes a lot of its sort of um, moves and things from karate, boxing, jiu-jitsu. And it, it was actually started in World War II by a Hungarian Jew who was a martial artist. And he was looking for something he could, something simple that women and children who Jewish ch- women and children who were living in Europe at the time could use to protect themselves because they were being targeted and they were being attacked. And he came from a martial arts background and he literally put together at the time, very rough and ready, things like wrestling, boxing, um, I kid, all the sort of older martial arts, put them together into a system that was applicable to everyday civilians on the street. I mean, fast forward now so many years and it's been fine tuned and a lot of the military systems use it in the world. American Marines use it. So it's it's been fine tuned and for different places now. it's. Stu- but for me, as I teach it, it's still the civilian Krav Maga. So it's applicable. And because it was developed for everybody, you don't need to be have a martial arts background. It's not about the head kicks. It's not about the high kicks. It's just everyday practical, which is why for me it makes so much sense and it's so easy to learn 
from the first session I'd had that day when I'd gone in, I came out and I thought, actually, if something happened out or this scenario happened, I know what to do. And that for me, when I so I run off in small workshops and I say to ladies, what you, if you never do anything again, what you learn here today, you can go outside and feel that much safer because you've learned something which is real. It, so it completely makes sense to real life. The everyday stuff as women, we worry about being grabbed from behind, being pulled down to the floor, being choked. For the children, grabbed by their wrist and pulled, even as women, grabbed by your bag and pulled. So it's applicable to everyday life for women and things that we really do worry about when we're out and about, you know, what if somebody grabs me from behind? What if somebody pulls my hair? What if I get a bit, you know, somebody comes to the side of me and gives, grabs me in a bear hug? So things like that, which for me, martial arts traditionally don't teach. They teach all the catters and the punches and the kicks, but they don't teach for me what is real life. And that is where Krav Maga, or how I teach self-defense, comes in. I need this. I need it. <laughs> I just feel like every. I think this should be like taught in schools. It should. And do you know what? The more I do this, so literally, so from then I, I started learning. And the more I did it, the more it made sense. And I'm, I'm a therapist as well. And a lot of the ladies that would come to me and we'd start chatting as you do, they'd say to me, oh my goodness, you do this. What, what if? something this has happened at the amount of women and, and you'll you'll be testament to this there isn't a woman who was worth walking this earth who hasn't had something happen to her or knows somebody who's had something or had an altercation or knows somebody who's been in a scary situation so all these women were saying to me do you know this happened to me and what should I have done what should I do next time and that just screamed at me how many women out there actually are facing this every day and one of the things they would always say is, yeah, but I don't want to go to a club with men or I don't want to be. And whether it's cultural background, religious reasons, trauma, sort of history, you don't want to learn with men or you don't want to be in a mixed class. It could be how you feel you know, about your weight or how you look, not feeling comfortable. And there was nowhere for women just to be women and do this. So I then trained as, a, as an instructor, took my instructor and, and, open, and that's how Strike That Self-Defense for Women came about. It's a safe space for women to be taught by a woman to go. And, and we are, I'm the only women's only Crab and Girls school in the UK. It's the only women's only being taught by a woman. And it blows my mind that this, there is no other places. But so for me now, my school is a place where women, and we have so many different, we have DV survivors, we have trauma, we have, we have women in bad places at the moment who come. Um, and, and teenage girls as well. And for girls especially, we say, we, for me, this is a life skill. Every woman and girl should know this. It, it, for me, it's like the Green Cross Code. We teach our children the Green Cross Code. We don't wait for our children to get hit by a car before we teach them. Why are we waiting for women and girls to, for something to have happened before they take that step to learn? Why not be there first? And from the offset, so the girls' classes are, are about confidence. And we don't just do like things like body confidence a bit. We do things like that, being aware, being switched on, knowing your surroundings and environment. And, and over the years that I've taught this, you know, the, the workshops and the lessons have got better just from just by picking up experiences from other ladies and when they talk to me and realizing this is actually really important. They need to know this or somebody else, this will help somebody else. So just having the confidence to set boundaries, to pop your hand up, to be able to use your voice, to be able to say things like, no, can you back away, please? I need this space. And to have the confidence to do that. And uh, one of the DV survivors I was teaching said to me, if I had known this 20 years ago, I would never have been through what I've been through. And for me, teaching the young girls especially, it's teaching them to never be in the place where some of the ladies are now that I teach, to give them that confidence, to pick up the signs that this isn't okay, this is not feeling good. You trust your gut instinct, be able to have the confidence and put the politeness away and put your safety first and say, no, enough, just to give that confidence. And that is all encompassing in self-defense. It's not just about the physical skills, how to kick and punch, which absolutely I do. I teach some really evil, mean things. I teach you how to gouge your eyes if you need to. I teach you how to remove eyes. And because ultimately, when your safety is on the line, and although I just need to put clause in there, everything I teach is within the UK law. We don't go over and beyond the law. It's all proportional proportionate and reasonable to what the UK law states. However, these are skills we need. And it was something I was saying, we've started a new class recently. I said to the ladies, 
Your safety is your responsibility. It's not your husband's, your brother's, your father's, your fiance's. It's your responsibility. Because when something happens, it is you out there on your own. It's too late to be ringing your brother, your dad, your boyfriend. It's too late. That is why you need to take ownership of your safety and learn something. And if we all did, and this isn't, and we are, I'm desperately trying to get this sort of, it's men that will run the world and it's men on the boards and it's men who are doing this. But trust me, if it was women doing in those positions, this would be in every school. Every woman, every girl will be learning this. One by one, we're fighting to break that down. <laughs> it's really interesting that you are the only women only, women led group as well. Because, like you said, women do feel safer when they're around women. You know, obviously, we know there are good men out there. But when it's, you know, a woman of your own kind, it's just it's just different, isn't it? You can share your experience and other women relate to it. Whereas a man, no matter what size they are, really, they can't relate to being a woman and the, you know, the objectives that we have to put up with. I mean, my the, when I went to the class, I went to my instructor is, is fabulous. He's a lovely and we're, we're such good friends now and I co-teach with him. But I'll give you an example of where it's, why it's so important to have those women-owned spaces. That very first lesson I went to and I said, I was searching, I loved it. I ended up partnering and it was, it's a, it was at the time, it was a very male orientated sort of class. There was a lot of Middle uh, Eastern European guys. So Kravas, a lot of, sort of Polish connotations, Israeli connotations. And it draws a certain kind of crowd, certainly in the mixed classes. And there was one girl who's actually now, one lady who's actually now one of my best friends, I remember looking at it at the time thinking I want to be like her, but I ended up partnering with a guy and I ended up coming in at a lesson where they were doing groundwork. And part of this groundwork they were doing was um, if a guy's on top of you and, you know, sort of trying to get out and, and sort of wrestle and, and get yourself out there. And the guy I ended, and this just goes to show, which is why this is so important. So whatever my background was, nobody knew what I walked in. Nobody knew my story. Nobody knew, you know, my trauma or anything like that. The guy I ended up partnering with, he ended up sitting on me and we were doing these chokeholds. And bear in mind, this is my very first lesson. And he sat on top of me doing this and we were all meant to be professionals. And he made so many sexual innuendos while he was there, targeting a young girl. I'm going to say young girl, a, a woman at the time I used to wear a hijab who'd walked in straight away profiled that this lady doesn't know what she's doing. She's is she going to speak up? And he sat there and he made so many sexual in, in that first hour. And although I loved everything we did, I remember coming back, coming home. And I remember saying to my hubby, this is what's just happened. And I mean, my hubby's amazing. And he said to me, go back there and you kick his ass. You absolutely kick his ass. He's like, you are not coming home and giving this up. You're going to do this. And I had that support. But it just goes to it's. It screams at me now that had that been a trigger or somebody who's been through something that that, you know, everything, you know, that we talk about as women, they would never have gone back, which is why for me having these safe, this safe space for a woman to come and learn is so, so important. I take nothing away from male instructors. I think there's some fantastic instructors out there and I take nothing away from mixed classes. I think they very much have their space. But I think for women to have a women's only class with a woman that picks up on those vibes and understands is so, so crucial. Wow, that that's shocking that, you know, you're in a class about self-defense pretty much and feels like he can say that that just shows how you know much space needs to change for women to be able to not feel like the inferior yeah he used to wait for me by my car he used to ask it, it, yeah it was a proper and I'm like I do you know what you think is this really happening but you can see how had that been a different place for a different woman or and there was times I used to sit in my car before going into class deep breath thinking okay I've got to go back in again and every time we used to partner he used to make a, a beeline and partner with me because he knew until the point where I had then the confidence to say right enough and I'd said to him a number of times I'm married and he was like oh that doesn't Ooh. men have a lot to answer for I, and I'm not a man hater trust me but men have a lot to answer for I, my dad taught me my granddad and my dad my granddad was a royal marine and my dad was in the army and they both taught me <laughs> different techniques so if I was ever to get attacked I've never touched wood had to use them they're probably so old school now they probably don't even work it was more about looking like I was being submissive but the one thing that they said was always make sure you've got your keys in your pocket and that your key is open and that's the only thing I've ever done whenever I'm out 
and I'm walking down the road, my hand will go straight into my pocket and I will be holding onto my key for dear life, my safety net. Yeah. If I knew how, if I knew how to physically move my body, I think I would feel much more confident yeah. um, going out and about. So following, I mean, was you had this sort of awful tragic case of sort of Sarah Everard and we've had Sabine and, and, and there's been so many in between that just haven't hit the media and haven't made the media. And we know how many women are sort of subjected and, and unfortunately lose their life all the time. To, and it's only when it comes back into the media and media highlights things that we we're sort of, this sort of gets on the bandwagon again. But it's happening. Women's safety never goes away. Women being in danger never goes away. It's yes, the media highlights it. We pick up and every time it happens, my sort of inbox blows up and I get messages from across you know across the world now really from women asking what should I do can we do this so here in the UK um carrying pepper spray is illegal carrying mace is illegal carrying a weapon specifically for the purpose of self-defense is illegal so things like knuckle dusters etc is illegal um the whole and a lot of relate and I've done a, a video on this um somewhere on my insta profile about you know carrying keys and a lot of women said oh no I'm going to carry keys I'm going to have hairspray and I always say do you know what for me it's a it's a no-no because I think it gives you a very false sense of security because the moment those keys, apart from the fact those keys just move all the time, you've got to be very, very, very close to somebody for those keys to actually work. Those keys can slip and hurt your own hand. You drop those keys, then you're in that absolute deer in headlight moments. Oh my God, what do I do now? Because they've dropped, I've lost that thing. So for me, it is about, do you know what? If you can learn some basics afterwards, your hands are the best weapons you will ever, ever have. They're not going to fall off. They're not going to go anywhere. They're going to always be there. And they are pretty, pretty powerful. And the, the things that we can and I do teach are so, so simple and so quick and easy to learn. So they work absolute wonders. So just putting it out there, and I, I completely understand Serena, why you're saying that. But for me, your keys and things like that give you a very false sense of security. And by the time you're faffing and getting those ready, it's game over sometimes. I know, but I do understand why women do it. And I totally, totally understand. But again, some simple things like your voice, your voice is way more powerful than your keys. So mm -hmm. having something meaningful to say or shout or do, not just scream. So I say, don't just scream sort of relentlessly. We tend to ignore screams on the street. It doesn't do anything. Giving an instruction, like if you are shouting out loud, somebody call the police, somebody call the police, somebody, that on repetition, somebody somewhere will hear that will do something or will pick up. If you are just screaming, we often ignore it. We think, oh, people are just sort of messing about, somebody having a laugh, so we don't tend to. So it's about, so that, again, is self-defence. Self-defence is everything you can do to keep yourself safe. It's not about fighting 10 rounds with a 16-stone, you know, six-foot guy. It's about getting in and getting out, hitting in the shortest possible time with the most maximum impact and getting away to safety. That is self-defence. The key skills you do learn and the things you can do absolutely will work just to give you that space to get away to a safe space. Yeah, that's amazing. I've always heard that one as well, Serena, keep your um, keys between your knuckles so that if you want to punch them. But honestly, if it come down to it, I don't think I'd be able to throw a punch. So and I've always heard as well, like if you're, you know, in a position where you are being sexually abused, not to cry rape because people don't come. But if you cry fire people will then come which is really sad in a way idea of just repeating somebody call the police is a really great thing I don't know I don't know if that would have even crossed my mind to be honest it, it's and that's the thing it's very very simple stuff that we it's common sense but until somebody says it you don't actually think oh, would I'd ever action that so yeah it, and and that is literally what we do it's part of what we teach is self-defense and it's once you know it Anna you'll never forget that and yeah. that's the thing. Once you know, you will never ever forget that. You will always remember that. And I say, whatever you know or learn, pass on to your children, pass on to your daughters. It'll be something they will always remember and they, you know, and potentially tell their friends. And it is, it's about empowering every woman and girl you know with these because we need to know this. Women and girls need to know this. I mean, it's horrible that we have to have this conversation yeah. that women have to be put in this position. But things like what you're doing, it's so important and like you said it really should be in schools everywhere right we're just going to take a quick break right now for some of uh, our lovely music and we'll be back with Gully in a minute if you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com Thank you. 
this, 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 this is This is the end is This, 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 this is Standing up then falling down One foot forward sinking now Seeping slowly through the cracks Barely moving forward but I can't go back Hello and we are back with myself, Anna Bonacera and my lovely Serena Novelli and our guest today, Gully Bano, who is here from Strike Back Self-Defense. Now, if you've missed the first part, definitely catch the recording uh, because it's really interesting talking about women's safety. Um, and Gully is now just gonna talk about a few things about being self-aware and how we can you know, um, learn points that are gonna help us when we're out and about to stay safe. So, right. So one of the first things I always say, ladies, is um, self-defense starts the moment you leave your front door. It's not just about the, the head kicks or the, <laughs> the perfect punch landing. That's not self-defense. Self-defense is everything. It's all encompassing. It's everything about you from the moment you leave your front door. So something I really do home in on when we first talk is your physical skills and the things you do are such a last part of of where you want to be, because the chances are your attacker is going to be bigger and stronger than you. So if you can avoid getting into that altercation in the first place, just by being aware of yourself and your surroundings, you've won the battle already. And you'll often hear people say the best form of self-defense is running away. It is. However, running away when your attacker is close behind you is not necessarily the best form of self-defense, because unless you are a an absolute sprinter and you are super fit and you're going to outrun that attacker 
it's not going to work for you. So for me, the first part of self-defense, from the moment you leave you, your door, you need to be switched on and aware. You need to be aware of your surroundings, where you're walking, how you're walking, what's in front of you, what's behind you. And it's not about being paranoid and having this sort of paranoia around you. It's about making this your everyday. Be so used to doing this, that this is your actionable things that you do every time you leave your safe space. And when we talk about safe spaces, usually for most of us, that's our sort of home. And our, although I appreciate not for everybody, their safe space isn't. But whatever your safe space is, from the moment you leave your safe space, you need to be on a whole different alert. So I tend to color code this to make it easy. White is your safe space, wherever that is. Yellow is your neck. So the moment you leave your safe space and that's your front door or wherever that may be for you, you're in yellow. And yellow means picking up on everything around you checking things you know when you're walking just have a couple every few yards just have a quick glance over your shoulder is there somebody near me is there somebody that's closer up behind me than I thought they were what's going on across the road to me if you're in a safe sort of cul-de-sac or a road and you know what normally is parked what's if there's a strange car with somebody who's been across the road that you've not spotted before just notice those things when you pass a passerby in the street just make fleeting momentary sort of eye contact it does, it's not a stare down and you are not eyeing them up and down and you are not staring them out, but you are noticing something about them. So whether that's what, whether they're wearing glasses, what color their hair is, what their top was, start making a habit that you notice something. And what that also means, if you were on your own and that was a park or you're taking the dog for a walk, you've now ID'd that person. So if that person had ulterior motives and they were going to turn around and follow you, they know you ID'd them. And for most opportunists, that is not what they want. We know statistically and from research that's been done, most perpetrators, whether that's sexual assault, rapists, muggers, when they've had a survey done and they were asked, why did they profile or pick a particular person or a particular victim? Their answer, number one, is they weren't paying attention. They didn't look like they knew where they were going. They looked scared. They didn't look confident. They weren't aware of who was around them. And that is your absolute key points there. Switch on. Put that phone away. You should not be on your phone walking down the street. As mums, we say it to our teens and our kids all the time, yet we are so guilty. I've seen mums pushing the pram with one hand phone on the other hand. How the heck do you know what is going on around you if you are just concentrating on your phone? You need to be noticing things around you. When you park up on your driveway, before you get out, have a check. Is there somebody parked up? So we're heading towards winter and where I live now, it's a nice sort of area. Carjackings go out the roof. Absolutely. People following you onto your driveway. As soon as you're out the car, they're on you. So just check before you clank your car. Is it, you know, is there anybody behind me that I didn't notice before? Is there a car that's pulled up? When you go to the supermarket, check where you are parking. Am I parking next to a van where, where I am is secluded? So I have this at a local car park, a potential carjacking. But just by being switched on, being aware, especially if you've got children and you're busy with your face in the car, putting them in the car seat, before you do it, just have a quick check around you. Just be aware of what is going on around you. So simple things like that are a huge part because if you spotted that way ahead before anything has happened and potentially taking an action to avert it, that's self-defense. You stop something, you stop yourself going to a place where you have to use physical skills because you don't know whether your attacker is on drugs, whether they're carrying a weapon. So getting into an altercation with them is a really, really risky game. So being switched on and being alert on that timeline before something has happened could potentially stop or save anything from happening in the first place. So that would be my sort of key take home message. If nothing else, notice things around you, put that phone away, apart from making you a mugging target. And trust me, that happens because you've got your phone out and phones are expensive and that opportunist coming back. And we know it's sort of London way how many of those moped attacks have happened because your phone's out on the street. Unless it's an emergency, you need to have your phone on the street put it away. I, so we've had recently um, some 12 year olds so from my son's old school, they catch a train to their new secondary school, all of them at the station on their mobile phones. Opportunists saw them, came along with knives, mugged them, took all their phones. Oh and, and they're 12 years old. So apart from how traumatic that is and the value that is lost, completely could have been avoided if their phones weren't out in the first place. It's everyday stuff, ladies. Do not put yourself in that risky situation. And the other, one of the other really key things I'm going to say is trust your gut instinct. As women, our gut instinct is phenomenal. 
And how you will all agree with me. How many times have you thought something and then after it's like, I knew it. I knew I should have trusted what I thought. Whether that's about people, whether that's about places, whether that's somewhere you're going to park your car. If it does not feel right, don't do it. Trust your innate gut instinct because your gut instinct will save you. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If something doesn't feel right across the road, cross the road, change it. Take action from your gut instinct. It will save you so, so many times. And the same goes for people you see coming towards you. Somebody's hand is in their pocket. Are they con- it's, and again, I say it's not about being paranoid, but it's just being aware. Are they concealing something? Do I need to be aware? Do I need to just take some action to avoid them? And I get trolled a lot. And a lot of people say to me, you know, it's not women that should be doing this. We need to be educating men. And I get it. I completely understand. And I'm with you on that. But until we live in the most perfect world, where every man and son and, and, and guy is educated to that level, you need to take responsibility for your safety. They are not doing it for you. That is your responsibility. And to keep yourself, it means to keep yourself safe if it means taking those actions and reactions and redoing what you're doing, then that's what you do. There is no harm or shame in that. That is your safety completely. And, and just on that point on headphones or earphones, put one in, keep one out. You need to be able to hear around you. So rather than plug yourself out completely and not hear anything, one in and one out. So you can still sort of hear things around you if you need to. And I'd say the same to sort of runners and anybody who listens to music as they run. Ideally, don't have anything. But if you are, then have one in and one out. Or have those ones that fit behind your ears where it doesn't affect your hearing. So you can hear them through the vibrations as opposed to your hearing. It doesn't block your hearing. Because running, especially in the evenings or early mornings when it's dark and you've got your headphones on and you cannot hear somebody approach so we did this as a role play with my husband her headphones on I said I want you to walk behind me and I'll I won't know when you're close up behind me and see how much I can hear and you can't you can't and I'm pretty switched on and I'm pretty intuitive about what's around me and and the more you do this the more you develop a sixth sense anyway and I'm pretty clued up about if I feel somebody's behind me I didn't know how quick he came up behind me so that's something just to bear in mind that if you are wearing headphones or, or sort of airpods or what have you keep one in keep one out just so you have got some sort of form of hearing. These are habits that will keep you safe. It's not an effort that, oh my God, I've not done this. I need to do this and I need to, it's not. It becomes your everyday habit. So from henceforth, ladies who are listening, when you leave your front out door from now on, this is what you need to do. You need to be aware. You need to be switched on. You need to be noticing things around you. And soon that will become your everyday norm and you will do it and your children will see you do it and your daughters will do it. And that's how we start this where, actually, we are a bit more switched on, a bit more. We're not that vulnerable when we are out and about. So that's certainly in terms of the non-physical stuff of what what we can and and can't do. And and that will go a long, long way to prevent the problems potentially happening. Now, I don't say that these things don't happen. They can't happen suddenly and you don't see these things happening because there's that very, very, very small problem where it happens if somebody surprises you. It it does. It happens. I've been jumped in a car park without even realising. So these things do happen. So that takes us to the point of, okay, we are in absolute dire straits. And this is what I call the red. So we've sort of like got your white and your yellow. Orange is where you have to do something, whether that's crossing the road, changing your course of action. And then red is where you are really in trouble because you know something's about to happen and you need to take an, an, an action to do something. And at that point where you've got to use your physical skills and Serena, you were saying there about having the keys in your hand, that's where do I need to attack? Do I use my keys? My biggest take home from here would be put your weapons away, put your keys away, put the thoughts away for your hairsprays, anything else. You're, you, you know, it's, uh, one of the girls in my class said, oh, I carry a pen and a biro and I'm going to stab them with a biro. You won't. When your adrenaline is high, your heartbeat is so high, your adrenaline is high, you develop tunnel vision, you cannot hear it, and all you are thinking is either you are stuck thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, or you are thinking your brain has gone into complete total shutdown and freeze. At that point, nobody's going to reach into their bag to pick up the keys, your keys will fumble, your keys will drop, your hairspray is not going to spray, the nozzles turn the wrong way. All these things happen, trust me, when you are in that absolute dire straits and somebody's in front of you potentially screaming in your face, whether, you know, worst case scenario, let's talk about a mugger with a knife in front of you standing there. That's that's not the time you'll be getting your hairspray out and thinking about with things. It's not what you do. So for me, I would say your voice is huge. 
use your voice as a self-defense tool. Find something meaningful to say. And we were talking earlier about call the police. And even if that's shut, no perp or perpetrator or potential attacker wants to draw attention to themselves. So if you are shouting and making yourself louder, make yourself bigger and attracting attention, chances are you may well distract this and, and it goes away. If you are not, you are sort of, for example, worst case scenario, horrible things. You're in a toilet cubicle, you're trapped, you're stuck in a very, very close environment. Use your hands, ladies. So we're not talking about punches. And I always advocate on the street, don't punch. Your knuckles and the amount of bones you have in your hands that are fragile against somebody's bone is actually not great. And you're not going to come off well. So think about the heels on your palms. If you just look at your palms, where your hands connect to your wrists, You've got that hard bit, which is what we call the heels of your palms. Your heels of your palms are absolute rock solid. They're not going to break. Those into somebody's face, hitting their nose, hitting their jaw, straight into their face will work way, way better. And you can stretch your arm out and it's got that power still behind it, as opposed to a key where you need to be close up to actually target. So using those palms and striking away into the face will give you that distance to give you some distance to create space, especially if somebody's trapping you. And I'm going to really, really talk quickly talk about some vulnerable points. Eyes are vulnerable. Nose is vulnerable. Ears are vulnerable. If somebody has got you trapped and you're very close, scream in their ears very, very loud. Shout in their ears. Bite that ear if you need to. Bite and rip that ear. If somebody is that close to you, use your nails if you have them go down the sides of their face. Absolutely, Anna. You'll collect DNA. Absolutely. Nobody's going to want that. Go for the eyes. And I, this is going to be a little squeamish. And there's a way to do it, but straight off the offset, fingers into somebody's eyes, straight away. If they've got you trapped and you are stuck, are you telling me if you poke somebody in the eye, they're not backing off? And that's all you need. You just need that little window that you can then push past and create some space and do the next thing you need to do. But initially, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of sort of really horrible things that we do teach, but those, absolutely. And, and the vulnerable point always, ladies, and I say this and we laugh about it, all roads lead to the groin. The groin is the most vulnerable place on a guy and it's not the be all and end all. However, it's enough of a target and it's a big enough target so if somebody has got you trapped and you're against a wall, against a tree, against a toilet cubicle and you are stuck, fingers, hands straight down there, rip that groin, grab, rip, pull, strike, whatever you need to. And there's techniques and, we, and I teach very simple techniques and things like knees and kicks. But on the offset, without any training, ladies, we've all got fingers, we've all got hands. We all know how vulnerable that I've made grown men vomit in a corner with this. So. It works. <laughs> Grab that groin, rip, shred, whatever you need to do at that point, your safety is on the line. But you are not doing this because somebody stared at you in the street. That's not proportionate or reasonable. <laughs> you are doing this as the absolute epitome where you, you, your safety is in danger. You need to do something. So, yeah, some really, really, and this is all things we teach in our workshops and in our classes, how to do it properly. So please do, if you can, learn how to do it properly. But straight off the offset, Instant kicks in, ladies. We all know how to grab a groin. Grab, pull, rip, tear. I I know of a lady who, who was, a very long story short, she was followed by a boyfriend who she had an injunction against. And she'd only done a few lessons of this crumb the guard. And, one, and he, he literally was about to choke her out on the street. He followed her, stalked her. And it was real sort of life and death. She did one kick to his groin and she ruptured his groin. And he just fell to his knees. But you know what? It saved her life that day. Wow. So we know it works. Yeah. And power to her, absolute power to her, because that was the point. It was her or him. Yeah. And I'm it hoping that I'm not the only one pulling faces. Like, I hope the <laughs> I listeners, know, I, I mean, know, I know. I've got these body parts that we're talking about here, but I can still feel the pain. But ladies, is it not? It's, it's obvious stuff, isn't it? Now yeah, you yeah. know it, you think, actually, yeah, absolutely. It's real, real obvious. I mean, we, we do, we fish up lips and we rip lips and we rip. We do all sorts of things. We do horrible things to horrible people, but it's what we call, it, it's your safety. It's an absolute between you and them and your need for survival and getting through this and getting home to your children or your loved ones has got to outweigh whatever that attacker's needs were. And that's the mindset you need to have when it happens. And that's what we teach the ladies. So, wow. I have some 65 year olds in my class you would not want to mess with. 
I pity the fool. <laughs> I pity the fool that takes on that 65-year-olds that think that they're going to be the easy target. I have eight-year-olds in my class that would take a grown man down. I know that this, these things work and I know they can work because they are. They are simple. And if an eight-year-old and a 65-year-old can learn them, everybody can learn them. That's amazing. Like just little things like the scratching and getting the DNA and you know, obviously you know that from watching like crime stuff, but yeah, that's that's such a simple technique to, to know. Yeah. And immediately Anna, what will it do? It'll make them back off. And that's all you need. Like I said, it's not a it's not a 10-round fight. Because if somebody has crowded you and they're on you and you are in serious trouble, just that momentary where they sort of flinch back off is enough if you need to then whatever you do next, whether that's kick them, push them, what have you, to be able to get away and escape. And that's all you need at that time to escape somewhere safely. And that gets you out of that. One thing I was going to ask you that I've seen quite a lot of people um, do when they are being followed by someone is they all then record it. Like, is that something you recommend or not they like will either record it or live stream so that they then have that person's face on video yeah so there's a couple of there's a couple of things there so potentially that would be attack or what have you because no no attacker really wants to get caught they don't want to get a criminal record they want an easy one so potentially yes because if that does enough to distract and sort of de-escalate and that gives that person something okay this isn't worth my while doing and they back off and they go on the flip side, are you wasting valuable time doing that where you can turn around and um, or say something or do something? I mean, just having the confidence with some self-defense skills to know what to say. If these things still happen, I've so many stories. So I was followed on a, from a night out and going against my own advice, I'd parked somewhere where I shouldn't have parked. And I, when I was parking, I was thinking, I really shouldn't be parking here. Um, I'd parked and I thought, we were with friends and we were walking back. And it's a lovely place where we went out for dinner, but where I parked, because it was so busy, I'd parked much further down in a quiet cul-de-sac. And of course, by the time we came out at midnight, it was dead dark and it was, and I'm walking and every bone in my body was saying, bad place to park, Gully, bad place to park. And my friends were sort of laughing, oh, we've got you, Gully, we're fine. I'm like, no, this is, this really wasn't a good idea. And lo and behold, on cue, there was somebody behind us and I thought, there's somebody following us. And I, I was saying to both my friends, I go, there's somebody following us. And they were sort of laughing like, no, no. And I thought there is. So I, I asked them to stop. We stopped. He stopped. And I could hear from the footsteps. And I looked back and I could see how far back he was. Now, whatever his intentions were, it wasn't a risk I was willing to take to think I'm going to keep going and go down this quiet cul-de-sac. He doesn't know who we are, what we can and cannot do. But I, is that a risk I'm willing to take? So we walked a little bit more and I turned around again and he was still there. And I thought, you know what, I can't, I, we cannot be, I cannot let this happen where we go down and we are opening ourselves to. So I literally did turn around and I faced him and I said, I shouted out. And sometimes that confrontation, if it's safe enough to do, is worth doing. So with my friends, I, so you did, is that making yourself bigger and making yourself more confident than you potentially possibly even do feel? And I just said to him, I said, look, I don't know. And I shouted because I don't know what you're doing and I don't know what your intentions are. But if you are following us, I suggest you stop. This is going to sound awful. I said, because I will mess you up so badly that you will not know what's hit you. And that is your last warning. You will not walk again. And he just looked at my friends and my, one of my friends and she's not lying. She's not joking. She will mess you up. And he just put his hands up and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going. And he went. Now, whether what would have happened, what would I have done, I don't know. But sometimes just that confrontation enough to make that person realise that you know what they're doing. You are willing to take that step. And they don't want that altercation. They want the easy ride. Whether I don't know whether he was going to push past, grab our bags, whatever. I don't know. But it wasn't a risk I was willing to take. And I felt it was safe enough. We had the distance that I could confront it and say, this is what's going to happen if you continue. And he now knows we've ID'd and there's three of us, potentially he's outnumbered. I potentially as somebody who knows what I'm doing, does he want to get into that? And he didn't. And he walked away. It's a risk. It's a very risky strategy, but it worked. It absolutely did work. That is amazing. And I think, like you said, sometimes they kind of like 
profile you as you know a woman who is small and maybe not confident and even though you're in a group as well which I think is that quite unusual to for someone to follow I think it's very yeah I I mean I think he was well out of his depth there well out of his depth yeah yeah let alone it doesn't know who you are and what you're capable yeah. of the fact there's three of you like come on one man three women like the risk there was and it was if he was carrying a knife or he had a pen knife on him and and it's that situation but I knew he was so far away way enough it wasn't a day I mean if he was well up close behind that's a very risky sort of um, strategy to take but he was so far well enough that I thought it's it's safe enough to do at this stage oh amazing <laughs> for those tips I'm definitely going to take that on board and we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll be back in a few minutes enjoy If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com. Welcome back to Love Thy Body Project Radio. I'm Anna Bonacera and I'm here with the lovely Serena Novelli and we have our fabulous 
and powerful guest, Gully Barry, who is here from Strike Back Self-Defense. Honestly, if you've missed this episode, you need to catch the recording because there are so many useful tips and just simple things that you really need to be aware of. Um, but Gully, please, can you tell us all about where Strike Back Self-Defense is going and what's going on with you at the minute? Yeah, hi everybody. So yeah, we we're on an exciting journey with Stripe. So what started as a little old me, so you can see I'm in my little dojo here, which is that used to be the children's playroom, but I've now converted into my train, snatched their playroom. So I started up like it is, it's me and I teach and started off my little classes. And over lockdown and everything, we've just sort of got bigger and bigger and exploded. And just being able to reach out now to women globally, um, which is absolutely amazing. So my passion and mission always was to empower as many women as possible. Through the power of Zoom, um, I got connected with this amazing lady called Kathleen Minor, who's based in Florida and runs Hopeful Handbag. So through the power of Mib, we got connected. And literally from our first conversation, she, she said to me, I need you. I need you in the work we do. So Hopeful Handbags, just very, very quickly, is an amazing domestic violence um, charity who supports uh, DV survivors. And it opens conversations. And, and what I do what seemed to sort of just fit in so beautifully with the message that Hopeful Handbags have about creating hope and creating sort of a hope for survivors going forward. So we became entailed together and I now work um, as their global self-defense instructor, women's self-defense instructor, along with the fabulous Kimberly. And over lockdown, especially on Zoom, we, start, we started teaching literally across the globe. We run workshops. We were teaching ladies in the Caribbean, in Mexico, in Canada, in Qatar, just the world suddenly became a much smaller place, as we all know. And um, I taught a fabulous school of girls in Trinidad and Tobago. And Trinidad and Tobago has got a huge problem at the moment with trafficking and, and girls and women just literally being lifted off the streets with, without any sort of, and, and school girls on the way to school being just lifted. Um, we taught a fabulous school there, just teaching the girls these very basic skills. You know, somebody approaches you, making that distance, creating distance. If somebody puts their hands on you, the simple things you can do. So similar to the things we talked about in that earlier about awareness, but also taking it that step further because it's this is their reality on the street. It's not just, oh, this may happen. This is what's happening. So to be able to empower school girls was amazing. So through sort of Hope for Handbags and Work, we now, so I'm teaching, we've got another series of workshops coming up sort of January onwards. Um, which is going to be sort of fabulous. And I'm sort of now teaching across the UK. So I'm um, hopefully going into universities, teaching female students there. So we know right now it's very current, the whole thing about spiking and, and needle attacks and things. So we're looking at working and running some workshops and things like those. So my own sort of one to so single lessons are here in Solihull in West Midlands and in Birmingham, but teaching across the UK. So um, I teach on Zoom workshops, corporates. Um, I've had some big corporates with big women in their workforces approach and say our women need to be taught. And especially off the back of Sarah, and that was a wake up call for a lot of organisations to say uh, women are out there and often in the dark and often coming home evening on their own. This isn't OK anymore. So we need to do something. So for all the mindfulness and the yoga and the great things they're doing, they've suddenly realised actually women being able to feel safe in, in their everyday lives is really important. So it's great. Message is expanding and we're doing more and more things, obviously, with Hope for Handbags, looking to expand and, and teach as many women as we can. And the workshops we do for Hope for Handbags are for free a lot of the time. So if you cannot afford to do this, there's not an absolute, we, we've got sponsorship programs so that there's no, no woman that is counted out from that. Um, I teach in some local refugees here in Birmingham, the West Midlands, and going in and speaking to these ladies who've got often the most traumatic histories and stories, it changes lives. And that is why I'm not, I don't do pharmacy really anymore. This is my full-time job. It changed, and I kid you not, it changes lives. It changes a woman from what she thinks she could never do to be able to actually stand up and, and just to have the power to be able to say no. Put your hand up, raise your voice and say no is so empowering. And for a lot of these ladies, that changes their lives to be able to do that and get them out of those situations. So, yeah, I'm very, very, very proud of what we do. It makes my heart sing every single day when I get those messages and we do what we do. So yeah, good things coming forward, hopefully. It's truly amazing as well. And if anybody's listening to this and they're thinking, I recognise that name, that is the charity we're supporting at our Christmas party in December. It's definitely creeping up on us. The reason we wanted to work with Hopeful Handbags is because we know just how important it is for women to be able to have that hope 
and to be able to access these type of courses and workshops. And the money that's fundraises through um, doing this kind of work helps for you to go and do these things for free, right? It helps to be able to provide the equipment and, and to support these women. Um, so, you know, you're doing a truly amazing, amazing thing there for so many, so many women. Oh, thank you so much, Gully, for being here today. It has been amazing to learn about this. And it's definitely something that I need to explore and see what's near me. Um, if people want to come and follow you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, please, we do. So I do, um, I'm on Instagram, on Strike Back South, uh, on Facebook, Strike Back South Defence. Strike Back South Defence for women, Strike Back South Defence. You'll find me under Strike Back South Defence um, website, etc. But yeah, I put a lot of stuff up. And more and more videos now and, and things. So as things are opening and I can do some more videos and shoot more stuff, there'll be stuff. There's lots of self-defense hints and tips. You can see what we do in classes, what we're doing on our workshops, where, where we're reaching out and working and all the work we do. So I would love your support on social media. Thank you very much. Amazing. I'm definitely going to be going to find you. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for listening, everyone. And make sure to come back next week and hear our special guest for next week. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com. Thank you.